G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Good day, pet owners, fur parents, lovers of all creatures, great and small. Welcome to Pause. And listen, it's a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast and it's a place for you to come to find out all manner of pet-related information. My name's Johnny Manning. Now usually I say today I'm talking to the one, the only, but I'm not. Today I'm talking to two people. And they both work for one of the most amazing organisations that I've ever come into contact with. They work for a mob called Smart Pups. Now, what do Smart Pups do? Well, I'm not going to answer that for you. But I'm going to introduce you to Helene Christensen. Hello. G'day, Helene. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? And I'm going to introduce you. I've got Helene here in person, just for anyone out there in listening world, so I can paint this picture for you. But on the screen in front of me, via the absolute miracle of technology, mm-hmm. I've got Simon Burrow. I called you Burrow there, but it's going to go between Burrow and Burrow throughout this conversation. <laughs> and I hope you're okay with that. I'm happy with Guys, that. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> firstly, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to me today. And I think it's a really worthwhile conversation talking about Smart Pups. And I think, you know, it's something that I want to scream from the mountaintops as well. So given that you're with me in person, Helene, I'm going to start with you. Okay, sounds good. How did you get involved with Smart Pups? So (laughs) back in 2011, I was working with Megan uh, in Sydney. And Megan's mother-in-law started up Smart Pups. So Patricia McAllister. So I've kind of been on the sideline ever since the very beginning. Now, um, in the meantime, I moved back to Denmark and Megan came and visited me in Denmark. And whilst he was visiting, they actually settled on the property that they first started at out in Pomona. Um, When I came back to Australia two years ago, I uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. And because of COVID, I couldn't catch up with Megan. So in January of this year... We finally caught up um, and 10 days later, she called me and I said, I hope you don't mind, but I put your name forward to the board to be a corporate fundraiser. And I'm like, what does that involve? She's like, I'm not entirely sure, but, (laughs) you know, um, we just want you to raise money for Smart Pubs. And uh, I went and toured the facility, had a chat to uh, Patricia and um, in February, I came on board as the corporate fundraiser for Smart Pubs. Simon. Is, is your story longer or shorter than that? Oh, I could possibly about the same the same length. And I think probably the timeline as well is, is a bit similar. Probably about 2011, I moved back to Australia from overseas and I landed on the sunny Sunshine Coast. And uh, yeah, just trying to find my feet here. I was reading a local magazine and I saw an article on Smart Pups. And it was about all the wonderful that work they do with dogs and special needs kids. And I just had the idea. I thought well, I'd like to be involved with that someday. At that time, I was involved with the animal industry, but not dogs specifically. Probably my dog training journey or dog journey started about six or seven years ago. So 
when I first saw the article, I definitely didn't have the the dog training skills required for the job. But 10 years later, I kind of learnt those skills and someone I'd worked with previously saw a job advertised for a dog trainer for Smart Pups and they sent me the link and said, Simon, this, this is you. You've been working with dogs for six or seven years. You love teaching. You love helping people. You love kids. You love dogs. This sounds like a great combination. So I put my resume in and I, I didn't think I'd get a call up. I thought there'd be a thousand people going for it because it was pretty tough job market on the Sunshine Coast back then. But yeah, I got a call and I got an interview and they got me out for a couple of trials with some dogs and they liked my skills and saw some potential. And a year later, here I am training dogs for myself and families now. And that's pretty much my story. That's a good story. Well, there's plenty of um, rabbit holes I can both I can go down with both of you from that story, but what I might get to uh, I guess set the platform, Helene. Give me the thirty second pitch of what Smart Pubs do. So Smart Pubs is a not for profit organisation that train assistance dogs for children with special needs. So. Uh, autism, diabetes, uh, epilepsy and mobility conditions. Um, For us, it's just really important that uh, the children develop uh, confidence and that they get a companion in form of uh, smart pups so they can thrive. Yep. So I I probably couldn't think of a job apart from maybe being a heart surgeon or something that would provide you with such job satisfaction and fulfillment is that would i be wrong in saying that yeah i definitely have found my purpose in life now mate what about you simon being a dog trainer what sort of job satisfaction do you find and i'm talking on a daily level i got into this job to help people and change people's lives or support people or the families with kids with special needs but if i think about it on the daily I'm, I'm putting smiles on lots of different people's faces and that's really rewarding. Um, and then I think about the progress the dogs have made, seeing these tiny little eight-week-old puppies going from knowing not really a lot other than how to eat and annoy their litter mates uh, to being a, a fully supporting assistance dog. And when you see some of the progress they make just in a day or a week, it's it's really rewarding. But probably the most rewarding thing, once or twice a month, we'll go and visit a family and we'll hand over the dog to them. We'll train the family up on how to handle the dog and all the tasks the dog's been taught for that family. And it's probably hard for me not to tear up here, actually. Some of the stories these families have and the experiences and challenges they have on a daily basis is both heartbreaking and heart feeling like having your child in intensive care every day for months or then being on a medical table and you've got an hour to decide to continue that child's life and hearing those stories just motivates me to do it again and give them the family give those families the dogs that that they need to kind of have a more independent and more confident life and be able to live a little bit more like like Helene said, the little things we take for granted. These people have been through so many challenges and to just help them 
in any tiny way, I feel really grateful. And like I said, it's both heartbreaking, but heart feeling as well. They're amazing people. And I'm really glad to be a part of their journey. Some of their stories just break your heart of the troubles they've had medically and socially and the things they they can't do that us, everyone else can take for granted. So thinking about those stories, it, there's no other place I'd rather be than helping those people and those families. Special, to- special kinds of people work for organisations like this and it requires special kinds of people and if you're not that special kind of person, you, you won't last because, you know, you said it was hard for you not to tear up. That's a sign of strength, mate, that you can turn up each day and find that enjoyment and satisfaction in what you're doing, knowing that you're making a difference. And being able to continue to do that and face up to these stories that you're hearing on a regular basis, not everyone can do that. And that's a a real sign of some real internal strength. But the fact that you're actually continuing to do this and make a difference, it's really impressive and commendable. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. You know, when we found out I was having this chat with guys from smart pups when i was i used to work at big dog and i went out and visited the facility once and this is years ago this is probably 2016 or 2017 Mm. and um you know i walked walked around the facility it's just you know that big paddock full of dogs i'm like this is heaven you know there's dogs just running around everywhere i couldn't think of a better place to, to to be or to turn up to work but I went and watched uh, some of the trainers actually conducting training and they gave me a bit of a demonstration and I was, I was a blubbering mess mm-hmm. because all I could do was picture the situation some poor family and some poor kid is in and the fact that this dog that you guys have put so much resource into was out there absolutely performing a 180 on their lives. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of, uh, you know, when you talk about raising a child, it takes a village. But when it comes to smart pubs, it really does take a village. There's a lot of people in the background and we do have a lot of volunteers as well that we couldn't, you know, possibly do the work that we do without all of them. And it's everyone from the kennel staff through to the people that mow the lawns to the volunteers to come in and help walk the dogs and feed the dogs and clean the kennels and, you know, and volunteers to go out and do the donation collections that we have out in the shops and um, the foster families. Like the list just goes on and on and on about amazing volunteers that we have be part of our Smart Pubs family. So... Also, a big thank you goes out to to them for donating their time and skill set to bettering uh, smart pubs. Absolutely. Simon, you were a – did Helene just say you used to be a school Um, teacher? So not a school teacher, no. Well, not technically, depending on your definition of school. I taught foreign students. So it was mostly adults, taught them English. Uh, lived in okay. Japan for quite a few years teaching English over there and then came back and did it for a few years here, teaching English to uh, pretty much every culture or language and people hoping just for a working holiday or some trying to get into university in here. So there's different levels of serious, seriousness there. 
And uh, I think Helene touched on, I was good at entertain- <coughs> entertaining people. Um, I guess there was a bit of a joke in Japan. <laughs> we were not really teachers. We were edutainers. Um, so it was a little bit about education, but <laughs> mostly about keeping everyone happy and bringing bucks in the door, really. Um, having yeah, fun. But, so, yeah, it was, it was yeah having fun. fun. You, learn, you learn more when you Correct. have fun, right? And that's probably the basis of training dogs as well. You know, you keep it fun. The dog learns that training's fun and then they're excited to do more training. So we really try and have a positive reinforcement uh, as our most go-to tool to train the dogs effectively and keep them happy. And I guess probably that's what we used with the humans as well when I was teaching English back to the students. So yeah, I I always had the, the principles, keep it easy, keep it fun and you'll make progress. Hey, Simon, what's pop quiz? What's easier, teaching a human to speak English or teach or training a smart pup? Um, whew. Probably the tasks for the dogs are much simpler. Um, I don't know if I could have hacked it working in like the education system, teaching kids, uh, primary school or high school. Uh, but the adult education was good because the students were motivated to learn. Um, and if they had that natural motivation, that makes life easier, uh, with the dogs though, you've got to create that motivation and generally having some delicious food, like pet, uh, big dog pet food, or some of the treats we use, it's really easy to motivate the dogs to work. And once they've got in their head that, wow, I get some yummy treats or some cool, fun playtime after I do a little bit of this fun training, they learn that training's fun so i'd probably go with the dogs is a little bit easier yeah but as long as you're motivated to learn anyone can do it let me ask you this what do the dogs teach you oh wow good question i'd never thought about that um just be happy really like the exuberance and happiness of these little puppies if you could keep that attitude and energy every day, your life would be amazing. Uh, so just yep. sitting down with one or a bunch of puppies and having that energy around you, just enjoy every moment. Like they see a leaf and they're like, man, that leaf is so cool. And they're just stoked about everything. So yeah, like Helene said with, with her story earlier, just appreciate everything and enjoy every moment. And that's what dogs do. They're just here to have a good time. And if they can have a good time helping people, it's win, win, win for everyone. There is nothing in this world, I don't think, that makes me happier than a happy dog. Absolutely right. If if, if, if I'm walking my boy, my boy's getting old, but he's still happy. You know, yeah. he's a bit, he's a bit grumpy, mm-hmm. but he's, he's an old boy. He's 14. Yeah. And, but you know what? Like he, you'll still see the tail start going, <laughs> still see the yeah. ears go back. And he's, and then, you know, once, once he realizes I've seen him happy, he'll pretend that he's not that happy because <laughs> he's a, a master manipulator. Right. As they and, all are. But and but, a little bit precious. Yeah, and a little bit precious, but incredibly <laughs> handsome and very articulate as well. He's all those things. But if I, you know, you're walking, I'm, if I'm walking Frank and uh, I just see another sort of puppy coming towards us, like an 18-month-old dog, 
this creature is just the happiest thing in the world. It's out. It's seven o'clock in the morning. It's like, man, I feel like I haven't been out in ages. What's going on over here? What are you doing? Hey, 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 you going? You look like a good fella. The, the mindset of a dog is, you know, it's just what life is all about, isn't it? Absolutely. It's just beautiful. And if you've got a well-socialized dog, then, yeah, they're just so happy to meet everyone and everything, other dogs, other people. And, yeah, they just love to share that happiness with everyone as well. So, yeah. I'd be pretty happy if someone was scratching me behind my ear yeah. all the time, you know, like Fe- rubbing me. my belly, you know, yeah, yeah like me treats. Yeah, exactly. I, I used to have a mastiff. Yeah, I used to have a mastiff. God, God rest his soul, Walter. Um, he he died last year, a bit oh, too early. That's always tough. But he was the he was the embodiment of positivity. Yeah. So where, whereas Frank's a little bit precious, and Frank will pretend to be asleep so I don't bother him in the morning. I'll, if I woke up at five, Walter's face would be right here to be looking at me. <laughs> what are we going to do? Are we going to? Did you? You want to climb a, a mountain? Yeah, I'll climb a mountain. Whatever you want to do, I'll go. Yeah, he was just literally up for anything. And my, my beautiful fiance Sarah would say to me, "I can't believe how completely positive and and just high on life Walter was. It doesn't doesn't matter what you wanted to do. He was like, "Yep, let's go now. Yeah. You know, whose car are we taking?" Sounds you know, like a great dog. So, uh, he he was he was one of a kind, and oh. there's a big hole in my heart. Yeah, well, it's part of the family, to... right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Told you we go down rabbit holes, and Absolutely. here we are, smack bang in the middle of a deep one. Um, I did have a really pu- smart pups related question for you, Simon, but it's just jumped out of my brain. But it'll come back soon, no doubt. Right. W- what I also wanted to do is. You know, I want to go back to the beginning. Who, which one of you guys wants to tell me the story of how Smart Pups actually started and got off the ground? Who's got that story? Well, um, Patricia McAllister is the founder. I know Patricia. Yeah. So she had a close friend of hers who had a child in a wheelchair. And uh, she was asked if she could uh, train that dog to perform some tasks like, um, you know, picking up things, uh, opening doors, um, and she did. And she saw the profound effect that it had on that family. And uh, she was like, well, there must really be a need for this. I could do it for other families. And that's essentially how it was born. But back then in Queensland, you couldn't actually have an assistant dog if you were under 18. What? Yeah. So Patricia lobbied for five years to change the legislation, which she did. Um, Amazing. So, you know, she was really at the forefront uh, with this, which is just amazing. And she's been doing it ever since, you know, battling up and down all the challenges that comes along with running a not-for-profit. And, um, you know, I guess now everyone every non-profit organization is struggling because of the economy and everyone is not giving as much as they have in the past and that's why i'm targeting the corporate world because it's tax deductible so anything that you give over two dollars you get back and um, along with all the benefits that we have spoken about today so it's really also just a call out to any businesses out there that could see themselves being affiliated with an organisation like Smart Pubs. 
um, you know, I will do my very best to make sure that you get everything back and more. And, uh, you know, it would just be amazing. We have these um, the products called a Puppy 100 and a Puppy 500. So the idea came up. Yeah, well, it's Mm. more like, you know, you think similar to when you're sponsoring a child and you're sponsoring a child overseas and that's great and I've been doing that for the past 18 years. But this is really, uh, you know, if you uh, do the puppy 100, it's $100 a month for your business and uh, you get exposure on social media. But it also means that you are supporting someone within your local community. So early intervention is so important for these children. Uh, One, uh, you know, and you can talk more about that than I can, Simon, because you met a lot of them. But, you know, if you have an autistic child that's not really uh, communicating with people, um, you know, they might be disruptive in school. Uh, We've had a few clients that's been sort of, I wouldn't say kicked out of school, but, you know, they've been too disruptive for the rest of the class. Um, Then they receive a smart pubs and they're actually able to go back into school. That kid is not the weird one anymore. All of a sudden they have this dog. Um, The other kids want to come up and ask questions. You know, if they're having a tough time in class, then the dog will help and the teacher doesn't have to focus all their time and attention on that child, which means that there's more time for the other children. And it also allows that child to interact because they are now having that dog a bit like a shield, right? So it means that they might be able to go out and, you know, get a job as they get older, be more integrated within society. So there's just so many benefits that, you know, when you first think of a smart pup, you know, you think of just that family, but it's the whole community that benefit from it. And um, that's what you could do with the Puppy 100. The Puppy 500 is just 500 a month instead of 100. So, yeah. But it could be any amount, really. Be, yeah. We just thought it sound cute. Puppy sound 100, cute. Puppy yeah. 500. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, the, like you mentioned, it sounded like a, a car race, the Puppy 100 or 500. Isn't there a young Australian Formula One driver just popped into the scene? We, we wouldn't mind a Formula One team on board supporting us as well, if anyone out there is listening. Uh, that'd be great. Oscar Piastri, if you're listening. <laughs> that's his name. That's it. Uh, but, yeah, like Aline said, those funds are going to amazing places. And you, you probably hear once or twice on the news, uh, once or twice a year on the news, some child has run off into the bush and they've got SES and police looking for them. They've gone missing for two or three days. Eventually they do get found. Quite often those kids might be an autistic child and that's quite common for them to wander off and not really notice where they're going. Uh, but we have what we have taught the the smart puppies dogs to track their child. So if the dog were to go off in the bush, we'd hope that the tracking was done efficiently enough to find that child before you even need the SES or police. And if you think about the police rescue helicopter, they cost about ten thousand dollars an hour, I think, to search for someone. That's taxpayers' money. If you're donating half of that, and we've made a dog that can find the kid, that's tens of thousands of dollars that taxpayers are not paying uh, to rescue a child stuck in the bush. That's just one small financial Amazing. benefit that comes to mind. As well as that, any any dog that these people receive, it's changing people's lives. Every dog I place with a family, the families tell me we have not been able to go to Coles together for five years, or I could not take both my kids to the basketball court. So 
one parent always misses out on seeing the sporting events of that child. But once the dog's been introduced, within days, the family's going on family trips and outings together. So you're bringing families back together, like Helene said, and you're changing people's lives. So it's money well spent and there's possibly financial incentives like the tax benefits that Helene mentioned. But to change people's lives, you can't put a price tag on that. No, you can't. How many assistance dogs has Smart Pups placed oh, over the years? So we're up to 300 plus. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Yes, and it's Australia-wide. It's not just in Queensland. 300, holy. We, we'd like to double that. We'd like yeah. to quadruple I'll that, bet. but we're such a tiny team. Yeah, <laughs> look, yeah. <laughs> we, just, we just need some money. That's well, all. Well, s- Simon, tell me what goes into training one of these dogs. Give me the give me the start to from the moment almost this dog's born to the moment it gets placed. Tell me, give me a snapshot of the journey. Yeah, probably the first eight weeks, there'll be mum will look after them. The, the mother of the pups will look after the pups for the first four weeks exclusively, I guess, and you'll have some handlers just checking the health of them, um, and the kennel staff and handlers will go in and and hold the dogs and touch the dogs and just get them familiar being around humans. Around eight weeks of age, they can start on the training program and it's not really training, it's going over these little obstacle courses where they have to jump over things and crawl under things <laughs> and you're rolling around on the grass with a puppy dog playing with balls and toys and tug things and giving him lots of food and treat. Pat. Are you going to be okay? You poor, you poor man. Are you going to be all right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that do we bitch. need to do we, do we need to put in place some work life balance things <laughs> for you? Absolutely not. That that part of it's amazing. Again, exhausting but amazing. Um, and then some of those tasks like uh, tugging on a toy. Eventually, that's going to be tugging on a door. So maybe you have some physical disabilities where your brain works perfectly well, but maybe your arms don't. So these dogs can open doors for you and they can go inside the fridge and retrieve an item for you or you drop your phone or your your pen or your book at school. The dogs could be trained to pick those up for you. So you're not a disruption to class and, and you can still go to class and have this support and not feel a bit embarrassed if you dropped your pen and say, miss, can you pick up my pen? The dog will do it for you. Um, so yeah, I guess we start with play and then just develop the tasks from probably about four, three or four months of age. We start to focus on some different commands and tasks. Uh, one, we've got to get them out in the environment working. So visiting shops and all kinds of stores and businesses, um, every kind of place that you would take your child, playgrounds, amusement parks, Coles, newsagent, etc the dogs have got to go into these places and I guess their first visit's got to be, wow, look at this news agent. So exciting. And we encourage that. But eventually as they're nine months of age or more, then they've got to think, yeah, well, it's just another news agent or it's just the meat section in Coles and think nothing of it. So we've got to have that (laughs) exposure to different things to get them feeling comfortable and then get them used to like feeling nothing about everything, not being sad about it. Just, yeah. That's just a butcher. No big deal that there's a bunch of meat in there. My handler's here. He's got lots of treats for me as well. Um, So the environmental exposure is a big part of it. And then there's specific commands as well. So if it's medical scent detection, then we do some training. And again, we might start with a tennis ball hidden in the grass. 
to see how well the dog can use its nose. And if they're very enthusiastic about finding things with their nose, then we could teach them to detect something like diabetes or epileptic seizures. Um, If they enjoy chasing that ball and fetching and retrieving it, and like I said, with the tug toys, if they enjoy those kind of activities, then we focus them toward opening doors and picking up items and pressing buttons on elevators and the sidewalk button so you can cross the road. Um, And especially our Goldies and some of our Labradoodles, if they're really affectionate, cuddly dog that also is very enthusiastic about finding a lost kid, um, then we could direct them to the autistic children. And when the autistic kids are getting overly emotional, uh, we can instruct the dogs to go in and give the kids some cuddles or lick their face just to interrupt that pattern they're going through. And once you get your face licked by a dog, it's very hard to continue crying. Um, Either you're annoyed or you love it. Either way, you stop crying. And then we teach the dog to give the child it's called overs, but it's essentially a cuddle uh, just to kind of calm the child down. And then the kid also squeezing the fur of the, the dog can have a soothing effect on, on the autistic kids as well. So we've got to train the dogs. That's yeah. just, that's just right. to interrupt you quickly. That's one of the se- sessions I saw with the trainers when I was out there. One of the trainers was training on in a, the dog must have been between sort of nine and 12 months old. And she said, oh, we're training the emotional response for the dog. And she went over into the corner and basically pretended yep. to cry and have a, a uh, you know, a, a, yep. an emotional episode. And the dog just went straight over and nuzzled in around there and gave her cuddles and kisses. And yep. I, I lost it. I was like, yep. oh, my God, that's yep. amazing. No. I'm sorry to interrupt you, mate, but that's that's literally – the, the the thing that I saw with yeah, my own eyes. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you got that opportunity to see that because it's just really small things that can make a big yeah. difference. So, yeah, that's lovely. Uh, I think I was pretty much at the end of that story. But, yeah, so some of these children, uh, some of them could be quite emotional, like throwing chairs around a room emotional and arms and legs flying everywhere. So we've got to get the dog used to that kind of behavior and not fearful of that behavior and then feel confident and comfortable to go in and interrupt that kid while things fly, flying around the room. Obviously, we tell the the teachers if it's at school or tell the parents that if there's a danger to the dog, don't let the dog in just yet. But find your moment when you think the dog can find an avenue into the child and when the child's ready to accept the dog, we can send the dog in and help help soothe those emotions. But a lot of our clients are saying that now they've got a dog, the 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 frequency of those episodes is much less and the intensity of those episodes is much less. So the dog is there calming the client without anyone really realizing that. And if you look at scientific studies, there's lots of stuff going on with dopamine releases in the brain and about the human and the dog's heartbeat synchronizing together. So if your dog's feeling calm, that energy could just be kind of inadvertently calming you as well. And I know with my dog sitting next to me, it, it's always beautiful and awesome and I feel pretty chilled and happy. So, yeah, there's something to it. So you're, you've got dogs you're training from, I'm sure you've got all varying age groups Correct. at the facility together. Do they all have like a um, <laughs> like a report card, or do you have a big 
whiteboard with all their names and, and where they are and what level they're at and, you know, how, how do you gauge their their progression? Yep, absolutely. Every dog's got a folder or a file and we keep that in the training yeah. room. We've got a whole list of places to visit. So, yeah, we can tick them off. They've got to visit lots of shops and see different types of people like kids, elderly, tradies, fireys. They've got to tick off a socialization list of people and places. And then, yeah, we have, we call them modules or a set of commands that at different ages, the dogs should be learning those commands and by a certain age have not mastered, but getting close to mastering a variety of different activities or tasks for each age level. And we do have flunkies. Do you want to... Tell them what a flunky is. Well, it's I'm a flunky. hoping we, we've had a lot of developments in the last 12 months, I guess, and we've, we've changed some of our processes. So I'm hoping the existence of flunkies will be much less, but it's inevitable. Not every dog is destined to be an assistance mm-hmm. dog. And probably somewhere between the three to six months of age, sometimes a bit older, you can see the dog would prefer to be a pet or they're got a few things they may be scared of other dogs or scared of tradies or something like that those kind of problems you probably not going to become an assistance dog so if the dog's not and i guess it's yeah i mean it's also really important that you recognize that uh the dog is not cut out to be an assistance dog so we make sure that we put out the best possible product that that we can and it's recognising it early on so we don't spend a lot of money on that dog. Do you tell them it's okay? Well, they go on to well-deserving families. <laughs> oh, so, good. you know, they, <laughs> they, we don't put them down or anything. <laughs> they absolutely go to wonderful homes. But, yeah, as long as they know it's okay, they, yeah, they, yeah. I don't want them yeah, to feel yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. They're good. They don't, they don't like get anyone a fail. <laughs> Yeah. So the dogs that make it through the system, they're the ones that they love training and they love the work they do. And if they don't love the work, we're not going to push them yeah, fair enough. in that direction. So some of them love to be a pet and that's where they end up as someone's pet. And I was lucky enough to get one of those pets actually. And she's a wonderful, wonderful Good. pet. I'm glad that, you know, it's not this whole you must succeed scenario because they just, you know... I wasn't that no, good at school know. myself, no. so I kind of empathise with <laughs> these poor fellas out there. Yeah, well, you're good at doing what you do now. <laughs> so the dog's got to naturally naturally show some enthusiasm yeah. for that task. And, you know, if you're passionate about something, if you love something, you're going to learn. Yeah, that's true. So the ones that are not passionate for it, we don't push them into good. it. Good. They don't need to be. But we do tell them it's okay. <laughs> good. I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Simon, just, you know, talking about how those animals are trained with the tennis balls and the tugging on things and those sorts of activities, it's obviously pretty critical that you feed them a good food to ensure that their nutritional needs are met, but also their brain functions at a really high level as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, you are what you eat. That applies to animals as well. And we find that... Big dog pet foods is kind of nutritionally balanced in in a way that a very an assistance dog needs so very exuberant dogs and as well as nutritionally being great it's 
kind of a great treat. Like I had a difficult task to train the dog today. So I just put a couple of scoops at the end of that task and it took me like ages to get them to finish that task until I put the scoop at the end of the task and that, I got to get the big dog. And they completed that task so quickly, so enthusiastically because they knew there was a, a good little snack at the end of it. I just wanted to um, to point out because that's one of the things that I had no idea about when I started at Smart Pubs and I was kind of shown this in the training room. Can you talk about how you train the dogs to detect um, low um, blood sugar and um, um, seizures? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, with the scent detection, one of the very early stages, like I said, is maybe just hiding a ball in the grass. And if the dog shows an interest in sniffing out that that ball and shows a lot of persistence to use their nose to find the ball, then we might earmark them for a scent detection role like diabetes or epilepsy. Uh, we'll have a couple of other tasks between there and uh, what we actually need is some swabs from diabetics or from the client. So some saliva swabs and maybe some sweat swabs or some clothes that you might have had an epileptic seizure in. And that has a unique smell. I can't smell it myself, but the dogs work out that the low uh, insulin blood level smell, they work out what it is and they get a reward every time they work out what it is. So the dog can detect this up to 10 minutes before it happens, which means that you know, with a seizure, the child can get into position and not fall backwards. Or if they're sleeping, you know, the dog can alert the parents, which also means that the parents don't need to sleep next to the child all the time, that they can actually get proper sleep because now the dog is there to detect um, a seizure. Yeah. And on top of that, as the kids become teenagers and a lot more naturally independent, previously they might not have been able to go out without mum or dad, because a seizure might come on unexpectedly. And if you're in the middle of a supermarket by yourself or at the movies with your friends, a couple of teenage friends might not know how to deal with that situation. But yeah, the dog might alert you up to 10 minutes before the seizure comes on. You just give an ambulance a call or you call the manager and say, this is about to happen or call your mum. And someone can be there to help you pretty quick, smart. Um, Rather than, I think there's been situations where People have had a seizure and they've been taken away by the police because they thought they were drunk or something like that. Um, so, yeah, knowing the seizure is going to happen beforehand is really useful. And, yeah, the dogs are alerting the both the child and the parents to that situation. And also people around them, you know, they can see, oh, it's a service dog. So, you know, as you mentioned, yeah. it's not someone that's drunk or on drugs. It's actually, oh, we can see there's something wrong. They're more inclined to help as opposed to someone being drunk. Absolutely. Yeah, so I just want to acknowledge that we're just sitting here calmly talking about dogs smelling diabetes and seizures in people and rendering help. So we're just that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. That's exactly yeah, that's, yeah, it's life-saving. Okay, so no, no, that's fine. No, no, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I, I got this story right. These these dogs you guys produce are smelling low blood sugar and diabetes and they're smelling the fact that 
seizures are coming 10 minutes ahead yeah. and they're taking action. How that's correct. freaking cool is that? Okay. Yeah. I nearly said the F word. That's right. That's, you said <laughs> the word. If there so, was yeah. ever a time, some, if there was ever a time to say it, that's it. That would be perfect. So, yeah, some families, okay. uh, when, after they put their kids to bed, they're going in there every two hours checking the kids' blood sugar levels in their, in their sleep. So imagine never having a full night's sleep, which is the story of most parents for the first, I don't know, five or six years. <laughs> Uh, but this could be a lifetime until they get a dog and the dog will sleep next to or on the bed of the child. And when that blood sugar gets low, it's woof, woof, or goes into mom's bedroom and dad's bedroom and starts barking or pouring at them, you know, something's wrong and you can go and check. So, they're super dogs. Super, they are they're, super, they're super dogs. dogs. Absolutely. Yeah, they need a cape. Yeah. They need a cape. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 There you go. You guys are producing super dogs. Well, it's the dogs naturally it's have a, it in them. We're just bringing it out of them. I know they do. To be honest, all dogs are yeah. super dogs, aren't they? They really? absolutely super dogs. They, they all are. When when you think about it, they're all super dogs I in my eyes. Most most, Almost, yeah. most good dog owners, I would say, they would say their dogs change their life or save their life in so many different ways. Just adds a completely you know, different dimension. I got a friend who... Um, for his dog's birthday, put a cape on his dog. Mm. This guy. It's a person I know. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a fun, emotional, amazing, awesome conversation. Um, how do families find smart pups? If, if they need, a super, they need their, their, their own super dog, how do they find smart pups? Well, unfortunately, at the moment, we don't take on any new applications. Um, so we have a waiting list at the moment that are waiting to get their dogs. Um, and it really just comes down to funding because essentially, you know, the client will fundraise $20,000 and we will fundraise the remaining twenty. So it costs $40,000 to train a dog over 18 months. Um, today, we've kind of just given you a snapshot of all the work that goes into the dogs. Uh, and essentially, it just comes down to funding. So until we uh, raise more funds, unfortunately, we're not taking on any new applications. Um, we need to get the waiting list reduced. And um, hopefully, you know, we are working very hard towards being able to to take on new applications. But, you know, you can always check out our um, website, which is smartpubs.org.au. And, you know, follow us on Facebook and um uh, what's it called? Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. Because the more followers we have, it's collateral as well for someone like me that's going out there chasing sponsorships. So, you know, if you can follow us at the very minimum, uh, that makes also a huge difference to us. And you can do small donations uh, on our website uh, under support. Go under, uh, click support, then there's a drop down menu, click donate and then you can choose the amount. And again, it's tax deductible, anything over $2. Well, how does a commercial entity get involved or support? Oh, they just call me. Call you? Just call Smart Pups? Just call the head office yeah. and then, you know, can be passed on to me. Phone numbers on the website? Uh, yeah. Yep. Everything, all the details about us. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from anyone that's interested, even if it's skill set, you know, if you want to volunteer yeah. your skill set. Anyone that has anything to do with websites that can do the back end stuff of WordPress, you know, yeah. uh, it's not my strong suit. So, yeah. 
yeah, any help that we can get in that way would mm. be amazing. So not just dollars, also in your skill set and obviously in volunteers, we always need foster families. So people that want to foster the puppies. Yeah. And it's great because it's the weekends. You don't have to pay for the food because Big Dog is paying for all of the food for our foster um, dogs. And uh, you don't have the vet bills and all of those different things. So if you always wanted a dog and you can't really afford it, you know, here is your chance to do something greater. And it really just comes down to you are contributing and we have one of our foster families at the moment have three kids, they're homeschooled and they come out and they do the training with us and then mm. it's part of their education is learning that you do something for someone else and I just love that. I think that's beautiful. They're teaching their kids about contributing to the community even though it's hard. I'd, I'd be, you'd come around and be like, no, nah, sorry, Rex, <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> he's not here. Sorry, he left. Yeah. Um, Helene Christensen, thank you so much for coming in and having a chat to me face-to-face. You're welcome. Simon Burrow, thanks for jumping on the stream and having a chat. One quick last question for you. How good is it when people say to you in social situations, so what do you do? You're like, I'm a dog trainer. That must be like one it of the is pretty fun, say, right? but yeah, with two kids and a lot of dogs to train, I don't have a lot of social situations at the moment. <laughs> but Fair yeah, enough. people in the Fair street enough. in passing, they do say it's a great job, and I love it. Well, I've said it before. You guys are all doing, um, you know, the work of whatever God is out there. You're doing that. You're doing that God's work. So thank you for what you're doing, and keep it up. And uh, yeah. Look, if you're out there and you want to support, you've got the details, smartpups.org.au. Uh, can I say one thing? Like, Because I think um, Big Dog is doing it. It's 300 kilos of food a week we get from Big Dog, which is just incredible. So, you know, big shout out. Fantastic. Absolutely. We would not be here without Big Dog Pet Food. Um, and the way the dogs react on it, they're very exuberant, very happy dogs and not just an amazing pet food you guys are part of the smart pups journey of changing lives so really 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 big thank you to big dog pet food we couldn't do this without you for sure it's a massive amount of support you're giving us everyone here at smart pups is very grateful ah that's awesome well a huge thank you to helene and simon to come and by for coming by to pause and listen uh as i said if you'd like if you have any other questions, get on the socials. Smart Pups are on Instagram and Facebook. Big Dog Pet Foods are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, you can go to the Big Dog website, bigdogpetfoods.com. You can email the team at customercare at bigdogpetfoods.com. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast. What are you doing with your life? Whatever platform you're on, subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to give us a five star rating. I think Simon and Helene deserved it for today. I'll give you five yeah, plus. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. If for no other reason, just to stroke my fragile ego, just do that. Um, <laughs> it's always a good reason. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful chat with the team from Smart Parts, Simon and Helene. Thanks so much. And uh, look, we'll catch you next time on Pause and Listen and give your pooch a scratch from me and Simon and Helene. Give all of your pooches at Smart Parts a big scratch from me. Thanks, guys. Will do. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. 
The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.